0: You're listening to Garibaldi Red, a Nottingham Forest podcast brought to you by Nottinghamshire Live. Hello, welcome to Garibaldi Red, as we were supposed to be discussing what would have hopefully been a win for Nottingham Forest at Bournemouth, but unfortunately that game was off in rather shambolic circumstances. So we'll dissect, uh, dissect all that and look ahead to the coming games. First of all, in the company of a debutant, uh, a very welcome face in former Red Striker David Johnson. Hello, Johnny, are you well? Morning, how are you? Yes, good, thank you. Good, thanks for joining us. And our second guest today is a regular Reds fan, pundit Michael Temple. Temps, are you okay? Good, thanks, Matt. Morning, Johnny. Good Morning. Right, uh, Bournemouth away on Friday. Um, Johnny, you went down. I don't know how far you got, if you made it all the way or not, like some fans did. I mean, you descended, descended into a real farce in the end. What, what was your take on it all? So I
1: knew... The night before, that um, obviously we were we weren't going to go down, and we just were going to wait for the morning. We decided to drive down. Uh, We got the feedback from Brennan that the game was either going to be Friday evening or Saturday, if the weather was that bad. And then me, like most fans, were looking at all the Forest fans' pitches down in Bournemouth. And I just thought, right, let's go. So we headed off um just after the EFL were meant to announce, was it twelve, one o'clock? Mm. So we set off and then we got the heads up. Um I think when about half three. So I just turned around. We'd just gone past, I think we had about seventy miles to go. I just turned round and then the it didn't get announced obviously until was it gone four? Mm. But we were already heading home then. So, you know, I think they even had to wake the players up to tell them and then uh, get on the buses quickly back to Nottingham.
0: Put your players hat back on. Obviously, you know, Brennan's in the squad. What, what, what are the players making of the situation?
1: They had a feeling that they didn't want to play the game. I think really disappointed. But as per usual, the EFL, there's no real rules to anything. And, you know, to say... Structural damage, but then again today, I've just seen on Sky News, I think, um, Fleetwood's games off with structural damage, so it was just how late notice it was. I think that, that was the really disappointing thing. If it would have been uh, 9 o'clock in the morning or at 12 o'clock, you'd accept it, but such late notice was really, really poor. And I know that fans were taking pictures at the side of the stadium, but if it was the roof, There was never going to be anyone up there, but it just feels like that um, they did everything they could to get the game off. So, um, you know, they could get players back for further down the line and, you know, not to play the game on Saturday when everyone was down there was, you know, leaves a bad taste in your mouth.
0: Tamps, you've worked in communications all your career from your professional point of view. It's just the way it was handled... It was just a bit of a disaster, wasn't it, was all right? As you saw, I cricket
2: so my life looking at the sky. But I think, as, as Jono said, there was a good backup plan in place, which was play on the Saturday afternoon. Um, everybody knew there was weather around and storms around. We've seen Notts County have a series of games called off. And you can't do a lot if it's going to rain within two, three hours of kickoff, or if the, if the wind's going to be um, where it is. But, yeah, what's, what's wrangled Forest fans is that Bournemouth have been relatively weak Five or six key players, um, suspended, injured. And look, we all know, if you want to move heaven and earth and get that game on on Saturday, you absolutely can. And they've, yeah, I think within the rules, found a way to uh, to inconvenience Forest, And that's what's left of sour taste because we'd have been confident of uh, being more than a match for them last weekend.
0: So do the rules need changing temps for a bit of clarity? And you, common can't, sense? you can't
2: change the rules about the weather, but it's, that, it's the contingency, isn't it? So could if if Bournemouth that had been really strong and Forrest that had been missing four or five players, would they have moved heaven and earth to get the game on? Of course they would. And if if the if the gloves on the other on the other hand and Forest in that circumstance, w- within the rules, are there things you can do to engineer an advantage? Um, but look, that game's gotta be played at some stage. Um the, the cup run has meant that there'll be some fixture congestion. And you can see a period of time now where Forrest might have to play four or five games in uh in, in ten, twelve days. So um, yeah, getting that game called off was an advantage for Bournemouth, a disadvantage for Forest. Can you do too much about the rules? Not sure. It's so subjective, isn't it? Particularly when it's called off for
0: weather. How do you think the players react to it in terms of, they're pretty angry about it, I guess, Jono, in a sense. Does that make the bond in the squad even stronger? Because it feels now like the bond in the group is much better than it's been for quite a long time.
1: Yeah, I think when you prepare all week and... The manager would have done everything, the finer details. You've eaten well, you go down there, you flow, the club had done all the right things uh, to get the players in the right frame of mind for the game. And then to be let down so badly like that is, uh, it leaves a bad taste in your mouth. And obviously, can you remember when we played Birmingham away? I think half of their stadium was, mm. was unfit, mm. but that game went on. Mm -hmm. So for Bournemouth to have four sides for their stadium unfit is really, really poor. And I think it's things like that that, you know, the players would be really disappointed. But it's gone now. They've got a focus on Tuesday and he's just left now. And there's another game and there's 15 after this. And, you know, when we get round to playing them next time, I think it will be uh, a proper grudge match. But they'll be looking forward to... Tuesday night and, you know, getting three points.
0: Yeah, if we look at the table now, Forest a ninth, three points off the pass on 47 points. I've got it in front of me. There's a real clutch of teams now who've played 31 games. Things have, have levelled up. How are you rating the playoff chase now, John? Are Forest uh, in a good place, do you think, for the top six?
1: I try not to look because um, from three o'clock, whenever kickoff is, to 4.45, it, it, everything's changes in... You know, I was looking at the results at the weekend and everyone's going, yeah, it's going for us. But we've got to play all these teams. And I feel that, you know, from the Blackburn game, the pressure is on the teams above us to stay in the the race. And if we can go there and play like we did against Blackburn and so many teams away from home with no pressure, I feel that we can actually do a really, really good job on them and, you know, really push ourselves into the playoff uh, contentions at the right time you know there's no point getting in the playoffs now and then falling out with three or four games to go I think that they could really push to get in there if they continually just keep doing what they're doing they've got to play all the teams above them and when they go there the pressure is always going to be on the home side and I think that that'd be an advantage to us
0: what about you temps from a fan point of view because John has got correctly probably got the players point of view of not getting too far ahead but fans like us have Uh, plotting, you know, playoff dates and who we could be playing and, you know, is Middlesbrough a good matchup and all that stuff? How are you feeling? I think it's an advantage to be in
2: possession of one of those playoff spots and have everybody chasing you. But if you think it's condensed now, it's going to condense even more. And to Jono's point about timing the run, that's absolutely vital. You've already got to look at what's happened to, to West Brom, who's 11th now having you know, not won not in the last five to see how disastrous a, a, a poor patch of form can be at this stage of the season. We're looking up to third, fourth and fifth, where Blackburn, QPR, Huddersfield have all played more games than us now. And yeah, at some point, this, this extra game will, will hopefully give us that boost. But we've just got to maintain what we're doing. It's not, it's not as if you know, previous, previous Forest teams in previous years and the previous managers We'd be thinking about what do we need to change. What how do we how do we um, you know, look at the shape or, or personnel or or the, the what's being delivered in that in that pre-match team talk. I don't feel like that now. I feel like we just need to keep doing what we're doing, keep um, picking the players that we're picking, and keep allowing um, Steve Cooper to, to to say what he's saying behind the scenes because it's it's working. And if we can have an, a, a nice little five-six game spell now, we can get well and truly entrenched in that
0: top six. What do you like about Cooper, John? I mean, you know, you put your views out on social media. I get the impression you like him more than Chris Hutton. What, what is it that draws you to, to Cooper?
1: His modern way of thinking. Um, football now is an entertaining business. Um, these new coaches play on the front foot. Football's a lot quicker. Uh, you have to have pace. And if you marry that up with a good structure um and the dna you know dane's brought across his ideas youth and he you mixed that with a little bit of experience he's changed everything in autumn forest the first seven or eight games seems like years ago now and it's the same group of players we've added one or two steve cook mainly the rest of them were already here before and it's like he's taking the handbrake off um players are playing at the highest level they can, week in, week out. They're enjoying their football. We take the losses on the chin and move on quickly. And I think he's just telling the players to express themselves. And, you know, I've said this before, he he doesn't say much to Brennan because Brennan's not uh, loud or he's very quiet. And he just tells him to go and express themselves and don't be boring. They're the things he tells him. and And I think that type of man management with certain players just works wonders. And uh, and I think that the team, the bonding, how close they are, you know, these 90th minute equalisers or wins says everything about the team.
0: Uh, anyone who listens to this podcast regularly knows that the 2002-2003 team was my favourite team and Paul Hart's my favourite Forest manager that I've seen. So um, do you see any similarities between Cooper and Hart, Jono, in terms of working with young players a style of play and a bond with the fans or am I reaching a bit there?
1: I think that the the core of the team, the youth, the local lads is a big plus in Joe being a leader, a captain, a vocal point in the dressing room and I'm sure he gets across to everyone what it means to play for his local club and, and when things are going well, I think um, the manager's brought into the the history and of the football club and he's embraced everyone in the city. And it's 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 like a miracle what he's done. And it will only be worth it come the end of the season if we get in the playoffs. But the from everyone around the city to Stoke on Saturday sold out, every game sold out, it does bring a lot of things back when I played under Paul, Paul had obviously played for the club and he brought all these great young players through. But I just think this team is at the right age where as we had a really, really young team, I think Andy Reid, Dorse, JJ, all of those players were still teenagers where I think Brennan's probably the youngest with Jed at 20. And I think that it's not about the youth or experience. It's about how many games you've played. And I think we've played a lot of games between the whole starting eleven. that really, really helps. So if we do go into these situations, they just seem a lot more comfortable um, playing away from home. Under Paul Hart, we were absolutely horrendous away from home. (laughs) (laughs) We've everyone at home. So I think that this team is more well-rounded and a little bit more experienced.
0: What's the key to the bond between Brennan and Jed. They've obviously worked together really well on the pitch. Is there a, a secret the success, a secret formula to it or not?
1: I don't think so. I I I honestly believe that Jed plays to his strengths. Brennan plays around Jed to because Jed will take on the full back with the thirty seconds of receiving the ball in a game and try and run from one end to the other. And he's always on the front foot. Defensively I think Jed's up there with the best in the division defensively. And that's the reason why he can get away with it. And Jed's got so much potential. He plays to his own strengths and it helps the team. And I think it helps Brennan. Um, You know, they don't link up massively really well. You you know, I think they've had one assist to each other. But I wouldn't want to be a left-sided player in the Championship playing against those two.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. I think they're on their day. Um, I think Jed's very very quiet very yeah. very quiet and Brennan's not s- similar very very similar the pair of them so mm. they're not loud or leery. and you know the manager says there's a group of them and he says they just sit there they don't even talk to each
0: other but they're they're close. Temps, you met Cooper last week through work I think and is he going to, what did you make of him? And I think you said he's going to come to Trent Bridge and talk with the cricket coaches and see if he can pick something up, which is quite interesting to hear.
2: Yeah, our director of cricket, Mick Newell, knew um, Steve Cooper from a uh, previous interaction when he was academy director at, at Liverpool. And Mick had gone up there just to see how they, how they ran things and, and pick up some tips from a guy who was a very, very young um, academy director at, at that at that stage. And he's playing career, um what wasn't anything to write home about, was it? A lot of lot of Welsh clubs, but one of his managers spotted his potential as a coach or almost advised him early 30s, late 20s, this isn't your game. You should you should be a coach, go and do your thing. And from speaking to people that have um worked with him quite quite close to the Fizz, who was at that under 17s World Cup, and you he said he's just at ease with young people and he gets normal people. And it's good to hear what Johnny said there about him not overburdening a talented young player with reams and reams of information. He's just found a way to to manage him and that's that's great. So, yeah, from that meeting with Wednesday, just, just echoed what I'd already heard, just very at ease with people, just, you know, just a normal fella. And it's it sounds like a, a pretty benign thing to say, but how many football managers just trot out the cliches and look a bit uncomfortable around you know journalists or or fans or whatever else. And I think in a in a very, very short period of time, having previously had no link to the club, he's taken the time to to meet, you know, be it us at the local sports club or uh, the journalists or the sponsors, the fans. Um he's just found the way to get all of those groups on side. And that's what's led to this ground groundswell of support, the feeling in the city ground, the numbers of the city ground and got us into this this position. So yeah, we talk about Brennan and Jed being young with huge limitless potential. I think Steve Cooper's the same in a in a managerial sense, but he's he's achieving right now.
0: Yeah, I see you nodding along there, Jono. Is that the big thing about coaching today then, that players, uh, managers have to be able to just get players and engage with them and always keep that hunger for learning there?
1: I think the, the manager spotted straight away when he came in, he wanted his personality and style printed on the team. He wanted another leader and he went and got Steve Cook. And when he got linked, everyone went, oh, 30 year old, that's outside the DNA. And he's just walked and breezed into the team and he wanted somebody on the field instead of us being gun ho and trying to win from the first minute to the last minute. And Millwall was a great example. Just stay in the game. Stay in the game and you'll get your rewards because we have the quality. And I think that Steve Cooks came in effortlessly. You know, Paul, uh, Scott McKenna, he's never had a bad game. He's been absolutely seamless in the team. You've got Joe. And I think that that base that he has to work with when Max comes back and, and obviously Jed, is the key to the whole of the success. And obviously Bryce um, has been fantastic. And I just think that the manager gets that across and just gives them that belief to, defensively, I think we've been brilliant at times. And then the younger players at front, the attacking style, just go and play. And I think these younger coaches are just fearless. He talks well. And what I think he's very good at is listening to other people and advice around them. And uh, and I think that's the reason why he's embraced the city, embraced uh, ex-players, other coaches. And he he wants to learn. And I think uh, it's a massive uh, strength for him.
0: How much does it help that he's taken Swansea into the playoffs the last two seasons, Jono? He's been around that environment. Is that a a big strength for him now, even though they lost both campaigns?
1: Uh, It's awful uh, losing in the playoffs especially at the first hurdle. Um, And I think it will put him into good stead as in that he knows what it's about. And most of our team don't. I believe if we got into the playoffs, we are the last team anyone would want to play against. We are the team that everyone goes, let's avoid Forest If we can get him to Wembley where it's neutral, we'll be okay. But that home and away, I think that we're the team to avoid. And I think that that's... Steve Cooper, the team, what he set up, the fans, a, a massive part of this. I've never known every away game, it's like Goldus trying to get a ticket. You know, we could sell out a lot more. And I think he's brought that to the city and to the club. And um, it's just exciting times. And I know they've just announced the season tickets. And I thought, very clever by the club, because they'll get snapped up. Perfect timing.
0: I might be getting way ahead of myself here. If Forest do make the playoffs, to the Arsenal, Leicester and win and the win at home against Derby, does that help them, Jonny? Winning on a big stage, does that make a difference or not?
1: I think it's just... I think sometimes you forget that um, terrestrial TV, the audience you get. So, we've always been obsessed with Sky and I think when the first game against Arsenal was on, I think it was the BBC or ITV, the impact around the footballing world and people who don't watch it was huge and then when we beat Leicester and in between obviously our local derby I think it's put Forrest on a map where every newspaper's talking about our younger players the club the success what Steve Cooper's doing and I think it's put us on another platform and I think that's got a lot to do with the FA Cup run and it's been a great season, but there's 15 games to go and I believe that we're in a really, really good place.
0: If we look at Preston tomorrow then, Temps, they're, they're always a tricky team, aren't they? They're very rarely down the bottom and not too often at the top either, but you never get an easy game there, do you? As we've said in the past
2: few weeks, we shouldn't be looking at the Oppo, we should have this inward focus and just... just have a look at what we're going to do rather than worry about what the what the we're going to do. And I think that's a, that's a mindset, isn't it? Trying to win rather than trying to um, avoid defeat. And you mentioned that game there, but that, that little run, that arsenal Millwall derby we, we, we weren't gung-ho. And this, at least the spine of the team weren't One, we, we ground them down. We were really, really tight first half. And Arsenal's probably the best example of this. And then we nicked it on the break because we had gas when they were, when they were blowing. And I, I just think that there, that there is a plan. You can, get, you can get too caught up in the week in planning for who you're going to play against, what the opera are going to do, what shape they're going to play. Whereas when, when you're, you've got your tails up and you're infused and you're, you're winning matches consistently, you don't have to spend as much time on that. Just give these boys the freedom to play. Get that blend right with the, the, the three in, in centre mid, which is his only selection um, dilemma, really. And then just empower them to go out and play.
0: Is Ryan Yates a selection dilemma? Because I saw not you tweeted, Jono, uh, uh, he should play every game. Is there, There's no dilemma there for you then?
1: No, not for me. I think um, sometimes in teams there's unsung heroes. There's people who make the team tick without any recognition. I think Scott McKenna's number one. But for that energy and drive you need in this team ryan yates is the first one on the team sheet and and i believe that ryan yates will one season will score over 10 goals because the ryan yates that i know from a young lad his energy his work ethic and when he gets in the box and he keeps missing i'm thinking it will go in for him one year and he will stand out in front and people are saying old-fashioned midfielder tackle head can do everything technically he's getting better and if you can add goals to him then he gets in those areas and getting in those areas is a difference between a Premier League player and finish them off to you know as somebody who I think that is now getting the recognition he deserves but if you can add goals to his game he'll be a Premier League
0: player all day long. You mentioned work ethic there that seems to be a common theme between Ryan, Joe Brennan I, I don't know too much about Alex Myson, but he sounds like a good kid as a young player, Jono, can you can you met, would these players have made it without that work ethic?
1: It's the DNA in the academy um, hard work uh, they were inconsistently morning and afternoon, they trained hard, they overtrained I'd say they ran uh, they were very old school as in you need a base pre-season was super tough. And he put them into a place where they went to the first team. The first thing they went, they don't really train very hard in the first team. And I think that is what Gary Brazil thought that I'll get you there. But after that, it's down to your talent and to get through the door. And luckily, when Brennan went up, with, I think his first year with Sabri or Martin O'Neill, he was put in the group... Ben Osborne, Joe Warrell, Yates, Matty Cash, all the runners, because that was the top group, but that was the norm. Brennan knew that if you couldn't be in the top group as academy, you were never going to make it as a professional footballer, and then it's down to your talent. So Gary Brazil, all the staff do a great job to say, these are the levels you need to go to. Once you get through that door, it's down to you. And uh, and I think that's an academy trait. And as you can see with all the players who've come through.
0: How important then is, uh, put, I guess you throw Jack Letter in there as well, maybe, and uh, Gareth Holmes, people out But how important are those guys and particularly Gary Brazil to the progress of Brennan?
1: It wasn't those two. It was uh, Chris Cohen and Jimmy Gilligan. Mm. Um, Brennan, Gareth Holmes was fantastic. Then Brennan had uh, Chris Cohen and Jimmy Gilligan and Jimmy was very old school um, and I got on with Jimmy he was one of my coaches and he built the team around Brennan because he saw the qualities he had and Chris was another one who liked Brennan's qualities but the first thing they did is make sure that he trained as hard as he could and the best he could every single day and Jimmy rang me one day and he says uh, oh, I says I'm, I'm just ringing here because I'd like to give Brennan a bollock in. Um, and I said, oh, what for? He says, we're playing a game and he had his socks down like Jack Greenish. And he says, and I wasn't having it. And I said, how did he play? He says, oh, he's brilliant. He says, but if I let him have his socks down, then everyone else can have his socks down. So I gave him a rollick in. I went, fair enough. And there were the standards he had to set himself. And it's things like that where, from the outside, people might look at their eyes, oh, a bit cocky, he's trying to do this, but they were brilliant for really Brennan and uh, and let him express himself. And and then you just needed the, the manager, a first-team manager that would give you the opportunity, and, and it's taken two years.
0: How good is it to hear that, Temps, from a fan point of view about the DNA of the club's <laughs> a bit of a cliché in a sense. But I think Forrest are one of the clubs that do have a, a, a DNA, and it feels like it's coming back now, doesn't it?
2: Oh yeah, it does. It does for me. I mean, there are, there are great squads that are badly led in every single division, from the Premier League to the Dog and Duck, and there are also some um you know average squads that are really well led and and play play above themselves. And you're right, Matt. I think thinking back to that playoff run and the semis against Sheffield United back in '03, that was a team that from the outside appeared really well led and together. And this one's the same, but yeah, little stories like that are great to hear, aren't they? Because it's not—it's not enough just to be talented. You have to—you have to work at it. You're not going to be a worse player by by being fitter. Um, so yeah, it's, it's great to hear that, and it's great to hear that there's, um, there's 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 been this consistency now, hasn't there? The names that John has just reeled off there um, are either playing blinders for our football club now have delivered millions and millions of pounds in, in transfer fees to endorse the, the work that Gary Brazil has done over such a, a long period of time. So yeah, the academy is a, a massive, massive strength and if we can have that golden combination of a good squad really well led, then that, that's when our, our potential is, is at a, at its maximum and yeah, I'm just, I'm just um, praying it's this year that we do make that dent and, and have a crack at the playoffs because um, make no mistake, um, Premier League clubs will come, will come knocking again at the end of the season. And being in the Premier League is the the only possible way that we could um, retain everybody, um, if if not one or two. But um, yeah, I that's that's for another day. Let's just get in this top six and uh, and leave nothing on the pitch.
0: Like Temps is saying there, Jono, let's get in the top six. There's a kind of a weight of expectation now that there hasn't been for a couple of years, even under Sabri. If, I, I always kind of thought that might blow up because of the way he played. A lot of the weight of expectation now falls on Brennan, Jed, Joe, uh, Keenan Davis, as well as throwing that bracket. I, I guess you can only speak mostly about Brennan, but how does he, how does he and the young lads, how do they cope with that um, pressure that's upon them now?
1: I think the manager takes all the pressure off them. Hmm. I think the senior players um, take even more pressure off them and let them play. I think um, there's a lot of noise around the club about how well they're doing. And I think the manager keeps them on their toes. And they don't have too much time to bask in the glory because they've got another game Tuesday. They've got another game Saturday. And this running is going to be really, really tough. and And I actually think that we'll probably see a few more players breaking into... The eleven and making a few tweaks because it will be really, really difficult for for those to play six games and want seven at times plus the FA Cup. Um, but I believe that the manager can move a few players around and to keep that starting level as strong as they can. Um, you know, Keane's a key, massive key to this team because. His presence, his physicality, his pace, his power. He leads by example to get the the team further at the field. Uh, Sam's come in and gave us something different: energy, legs. You know, he's done very well, and we've got Phil. That there's all sorts in this team, and I think the younger players can just go out and play. And and when I mean younger players, it's just through experience. You know, Brennan's not played 50 games yet for the club, Jed. uh, But Max's experience, he's played a lot of football. Ryan Yates has played a lot of football. Joe Warrell's played a lot of football. So really, the team's got 150 games between them. And I think they can cope.
0: Keenan Davis kind of feels... You'll tell me I'm wrong here. There's a bit of Marlon Hayward about him, is there, in terms of athleticism and he can take players on and he's, he's quite a rounded striker, but maybe he's not as not as much of a finisher, like compared to yourself and Marlon, I always thought you were the finisher. Would, uh, is there a comparison there? And how much would you have enjoyed playing alongside Keenan Davis?
1: I think it's tough for Keen because his record in front of goal has gone before him. Mm. And the way that we play and in the modern football, you don't need a Lewis Graben consistently if you focus just on one player that's going to score you 20 plus goals and Forrest have for the last couple of years, I think when we got close, Joe Lally chipped in with a few. And I think now we do have, you know, Brennan's in double figures, Philip get getting double figures. I believe that Keane will get close. Um, and if you look at that and think, well, that's 40 odd goals between them and then everyone else chips in, we're more effective as a team. And I think that Kean's that player who this is his first run uh, properly in a couple of years, and he's thriving on it. And I think that the intensity is probably a little bit too much for him at the minute playing Saturday, Tuesday, and he looked tired in the last game, but so did everyone else. I actually think he's a goal scorer. I just think that he's never had the run, unfortunate uh, luck, to stay fit. And I think that's another thing that Steve uh, Cooper, all his staff take unbelievable credit for is to be able to keep the players on the pitch every single week because you look at other clubs struggling with injuries whatever he's doing, he's doing it well because we've barely had anyone out for a long time
0: with injuries What kind of career would you have had today? If you were playing stage on, and you were, I think you always played up front with a in a two and not many teams yeah. do that now what kind of career do you think you would have had?
1: It's very difficult because the, the, the three at the back that I prefer this club playing in. I think we have the players. We can go to a four at the back. Um, it's literally finding the right team. And like I said, I played with a two. If I if it was one up front, I'd have never made it. Never in a million years. Um, two up front, I think I could have probably worked with a three and done less running. <laughs> but literally, I'd have found it tough because... Asking the, the demands now is to defend from the front and to lead the line, and you know overload in the final third. It had been very difficult because I've just became effective inside the box, and now you don't see balls coming into the box, crosses coming into the box. You know, it's a thing that I look at Brennan's stats, Jed's stats, and you know wingers. And they cut inside and they look for cutbacks and they look for different avenues of just lumping it in because we don't have uh, Peter Crouch or a big effective Well, We do now with Kean, but we play to our strengths. And I think playing in this team now, when there's not a lot of balls coming into the box from wide areas, it would have been difficult. And credit but, to the players.
0: Yeah. Yeah, every goal now seems to be a low cutback from the byline. Man City, Leicester, everyone seems to do that. Um, right, everyone who's watching this is going to be screaming at me, saying, ask him about Brendan's future, ask him about his new contract. Is there anything you can say about that, John, or is it just a case of enjoy this season, see where it takes us?
1: No. Um, the, the conversation started last year when he was at Lincoln and Yanis, who's in charge, had rang me and asked if we'd like to sit down and talk about a new contract yes no problem but my worries are was the manager he went no problem i completely understand that i said so let's get the wheels in motion and then hopefully we'll wait until september till the window's finished so the manager's allowed to bring his own players in if brennan's part of his plans we'll consider signing if brennan's not part of his plans there's no point so we got to the end of September, I spoke to Dane, the contract offer wasn't very good. Then our next uh, contract talks were in December when they had a bid of 10 million plus, And I said that it wasn't the right time to be talking. Um, you know, Brennan's just focused on the first team um, we knew what was going to happen in the window and Brennan was always going to stay. That was the fact of the matter. I spoke to the owner last week, had a very good chat with him down in London. He was fantastic. Um, He came across really well, told me how he sees the club and future. And we said, okay, um, great. We'll carry on talks. There's 15 games to go. Um, Let's sit down um, and try and get something sorted between now and the end of the season. But it's so busy. We'll probably give you by email or something. But literally, that's where we're at. You know, everyone thinks it's like the deadline day that you go in, you have an hour to agree the contract. It's not. You know, the club take the time. We're in no rush. Everything's going really well. And I think fans just expect every Monday that why hasn't he signed? And, you know, we've sat down twice in a year. So that really tells you... The club have been brilliant,
0: and we'll get there in the end. So, might he be here next season if Forrest aren't in the Premier League, or is that too much? Is that something you can't consider at um, the moment?
1: You, you can't. If the club came to us and said, "We're going to take this offer, and it's not the right club for Brennan," he'd stay. The issue is, is that at this minute we haven't agreed a contract, and we're not close. We're just, we're just talking. Until that time happens, he'll be here until the club says so. He's really happy playing under this manager. The manager's been absolutely fantastic, and so are the players, by the way. Um, And hopefully, we'll see what happens in the summer. Brennan has ambitions of playing in the Premier League, but what Brennan's really good at, he wants to go there when he's ready. He doesn't want to go and be a squad player or somebody for the future for their team. He wants to go and hopefully make an impact that might be this year or the year after. But until the season's finished, who knows? Because if we go to the Premier League, this is the place he wants to play in front of his home fans, his own city. And uh, he's joined it every week at the minute.
2: An unscrupulous player with an unscrupulous agent goes to Brentford. Um, you know, triples, quadruples is is cash or whatever because it's it's sat there in front of him. And for a a young man to um, not take that opportunity and to have such a mature outlook as to where he's at and where he's going um, is is great to see. Look, Brendan Johnson will play Premier League football. We we can all see that. We'd love for it to be with with Forest, but there's a right way to go. And I think Matty Cash probably left in the right way, in that he waited for a good offer from an aspirational team. That had a role for him in in their side there and then. We've seen others leave Forest um for, for money, the wrong move at the wrong time. Oli Burke's probably a good example. And he's ended up back where he started in a slightly different coloured shirt. And I, I just feel that with you know advice from somewhere that's been there and done it, who happens to be his old man and his agent as well, he, he couldn't be better placed with the advice he's he's going to to receive. But yeah, of course the offer's got to be right for him because there's the ten clubs that would love to have him in their I squad, if the if the price it's more is right, the but...
1: club, the than him, I think the I think you can't control the uncontrollables. One day, I think you you hit the nail on the head when we sold Oliver Burke. Everyone said we should have kept him for a year or so because I think he only played thirteen games. It was out of his control that the offer at the time was unbelievable, and his development hasn't gone to the path that he wanted to and if you knew oliver burke he was always going to struggle because he's learning and he doesn't take information on board very well then you had ben berreton who's now only 22 by the way he sold him at 18 19 he's now given that number nine the vocal point in that blackburn team he looks a 20 30 million pound player and we sold him because of the same reason we needed money at the time. Harvin Appiah, we had to sell at the time. And Forrest hasn't changed. We would like to keep all these players and to hopefully take them into the Premier League and build a team round and etc. Cetera, et cetera, But there's always been circumstances why we've had to sell them. And Matty Cash was excellent. Uh, never thought he'd be a right back, but he's done brilliant. And then he's leapt on again. And you know we got great money for him. Sometimes it's out of the control, and come the end of the year, it's Premier League or nothing. And I feel that that is going to be the reason why, if my son gets sold or not,
2: you wouldn't deny him that opportunity to to realise um, his ambition. And uh, and you were, you've said before, John, but there was no risk of him being sold in, in in January. There would have been under previous regimes if the football wasn't going well and he wasn't and he wasn't valued. Um, but yeah, I've, I've loved watching him this season. and I think everything you described there um, about his, what it's taken to get to this point probably emphasises why Forest fans have taken to him so much. Positive attacking player, been through the system, clearly loves the club and has turned down a Premier League opportunity to try and pursue on the Forest. And I think, um, I really hope he's the difference maker between now and the,
0: now and the end of the season. Do we need to be patient with the young players still, Johnny? I mean, there's going to be a period in every player's season where things don't happen. It hasn't hasn't come for Brennan yet, I don't think, but it it might. Do we still need to have patience?
1: There's no patience in football. Um, So managers get sacked after six games, um, two months, three months. Everyone wants everything now. And so, yes, there is pressure on young players and they have to hit the floor running um, you looked at probably Yatesy, how he was perceived to the fans compared to Joe Carvalho, who had a good six months. And even when Joe left, he was still hailed as the Portuguese prince. And he was, it didn't work out for him under certain managers. Um, where Yatesy's now 150 games in and just about getting the level of appreciation that he deserves and probably his standards have got better but sometimes fans just prefer different players and you know everyone loves Jed and we'd love to sign him and he's probably the fans favourite and we've got others but it's They do feel the pressure, but the manager takes a lot of it. He's just telling them to go out and express themselves. And while they do that, what will be and what happens at the end of the year with certain players, I don't think anyone else can control.
0: Give us some closing words. Um, Tams, how are you feeling for the next few weeks now we kind of know where we are? I just look forward to watching every Forest
2: game at the minute. I love the fact that we've got our way that we play. We don't um, stray from it materially. We know there's eight or nine players inked in every week and people like you know Mighton, Grabben, Lolly perhaps to, to come back into that mix. Really, really exciting time to be a Forest fan. Loving watching it and um, first things first, three points tomorrow night, please.
0: John, I will give you the last words this week since you're our debutant guest of honour. How, how are you feeling about the weeks ahead?
1: I'm just hoping the game's on tomorrow. Um, <laughs> yeah, I've just sure. got a feeling it's going to be called off. I, I, I didn't realise I had so much snow and obviously it's rain and the wind's obviously up there. So I'm just praying they can get a game under their belt and not have too much time of not played. So as long as there's a game on tomorrow, I'll be happy.
0: Yes, that's a good note to end on. That's a good starting point to getting promoted, is actually playing the games. Right, <laughs> yeah. uh, thanks very much to everyone who's uh, listened along to this. And as ever, if you liked it, do like and subscribe on YouTube, uh, iTunes, any platform that you listen to us on. John, it's been great having you on. I hope you enjoyed that. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure excellent and temps are very good of you to join us as ever before you rush off to catch a train cheers matt good to see you johnny and a belated happy birthday to temps and we'll uh, leave it there Absolutely. So. <laughs> thanks very much everyone and we shall see you soon thank you for listening to garibaldi red a nottingham forest podcast if you enjoyed today's episode then please let us know we love hearing your feedback we'll be back soon with another episode thanks for listening